Have you ever had that feeling that you don't really know who you are? Like, if someone asked you, who are you, and you didn't really have a coherent answer? It's not that you're totally clueless. It's just a life thing that everyone goes through at some point. Well, everyone except those rare few that seem like they have always known their purpose and identity right from the start. And let's be honest, those people are probably full of shit anyway. The point is, in early 2012, I had a super vague idea of who I was, but at the end, I knew precisely. Stick around, and I'll tell you all about it. I'm Jacob Slayton, and this is my entire life. So to start this year off, we need to go back a bit and catch up on a few things I may have left out in previous episodes. In the two or three years preceding 2012, my close friend group had evolved and changed a little bit, as it does when you have kids and you sort of make married couple friends and things like that. And and it was really good. And at this point in time, maybe around like 2008, um, we created a little group of friends that kind of evolved from a men's group that I was in at the time into like this couples group thing. And you know how things kind of evolve and morph and change. And anyway, basically at the end of 2008, 2009, this group of friends had kind of formed into what we called the group, the group group, the community. It was a community group type situation, if you know what that is. But we always called it group group. And I don't know why. Maybe we were being like, really uh, exclusive or something. I don't know. But we had this great group of friends where there was like five or six couples and we did everything together. And it just so happened that Micaiah and I were the first to have kids. But pretty quickly after we had Emma in 2008, you know, other people in the group were having kids too. And, you know, it was just fun to kind of, you know, we, we always talk about like doing life together which is, I don't know, kind of a cliche phrase, but that's really what it was, you know. Outside of work, we did everything together, really. You know, we we hung out all the time. We'd go out to eat all the time. You know, we we would cook each other dinners and stuff when we were having babies or whatever. We'd watch each other's kids. We'd do everything together. We'd go on vacations together. We went to the beach several times. And it was just this amazing, like, really, really tight uh, group of friends. And we were, we just felt rich in that way, you know? I mean, it was really, really amazing. But, but you know, there was only maybe five or six couples in this, uh, in this group. And we were just super closely connected, closer than family. You know, we talked about doing like Christmas together one year. We never did make it happen, but that's how tight we were. Like, and a lot of times we'd almost rather be together than with our own real families, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Uh, so that was kind of one thing that had changed a lot in, in, in pr- prior years. And another thing that changed a lot was our church situation. So after Makai and I got married, we started going to this little church in Little Rock called Celebration Church. And it was really cool. It was kind of just this small sort of ragtag sort of group of people. And, and it was just a fun and, and great place where we felt like we belonged, you know, but pretty quickly after we started going there, the church kind of ended up deciding to like, 
kind of disband in a lot of like they had already been together for about 10 years and uh and they decided to kind of just take it down way way down and ended up kind of dissolving into more of a house church type situation and so we were kind of looking for another church and there was this other church that popped up called the journey church that was cool and we would go there and we kind of went there for i don't know a year or two and then things kind of changed over there and i don't know if if you guys have ever been involved in like small churches startup churches you know that you never really know what's going to happen with it you know it may be cool for a, a year or two or three or four years and you know who knows what the future's going to hold right and so it seemed like we had been in a couple of those type of situations and so we we left the journey church and then we went to this sort of new church that was called the river church that was you know, it was actually really cool. We liked it a lot. It met in a bar downtown. Uh, in fact, they had a uh, they were on the news one night because it was like church in a bar, which is like completely inappropriate place to have church. Maybe more appropriate than actually meeting in a church building, but it was like a big old deal down here in the south. And uh, our pastor was on there just talking about like, hey, you know what? Bars aren't usually open on like early Sunday morning, so. We decide why not, uh, you know, just rent this place that time and, and and do our thing. And it was really cool. We so we met in the bar and they had like great music. This artist, uh, local to Little Rock artist Sean Michel, was uh, he would often play, you know, our music for Sunday mornings and everything. And it was just really really cool, like fantastic music. And the preaching was great and the people were cool. It was kind of like one of these small churches of maybe, I don't know, 30, 40 people tops, you know, but we got to know people and, and it was cool. We liked it there, you know, and I met a couple friends there that I still have today. And, uh, it, it, we, we felt like we were at home there, you know, and anyway, this is a whole nother story, but I'll boil it down really quickly. Um, at some point, I don't really remember when, I guess it must've been like 2009, my buddy Aaron calls me up, uh, a guy that I had met at, at the River Church, and he said, hey, man, have you seen the newspaper today? And I said, no. And he said, get a newspaper and call me back. And so uh, I grabbed a newspaper, flipped to like the local section, and there was the thing that he was like obviously calling me about, which was the pastor of our church had uh, gotten busted for um, messing around with uh, 16-year-old boys. Um, and so obviously that's the end of that. And, uh, you know, that's his story to tell. I'm not going to get into it, but the short of it is we were done with that church and he was done being the pastor of that church. And so we're kind of back to being like homeless again without a church. And it was just so like disappointing and kind of a bummer, um, at the time. Now to back up even further, uh, say back in, geez, I don't really know, maybe maybe 2008, maybe earlier than that. But a great friend of ours um, in our community group, her and her husband split up. And it was really sad. And it was, it was, uh, it was honestly, it was devastating um, for us as a group and for me personally, because it was like the first uh, close friends of mine that got a divorce. And it was just totally devastating. It was a total surprise to everyone. And uh, it, it just, you know, when you're close and when you're tight and something like that happens and you love each other, 
it's just sad and it's hard and it's difficult to kind of, you know, just watch it all go down. You know, it, it hurts to love people, right? And so that happened, you know, several years prior. Now, the female in that relationship, we're fast forwarding now back into like 2010. And the girl from that relationship was dating a guy um, in North Little Rock, Arkansas. We had lived in Hillcrest and she was dating a guy in North Little Rock. And we're kind of homeless looking for a church, right? And so she says, hey, this church I've been going to with my boyfriend is actually really cool. You guys should come over to North Little Rock and check it out sometime. And so we're like, sure, you know, we want to go somewhere. You know, we've always felt like church is an important thing in our lives. And, you know, it's just like it, it brings a lot of joy and life to us to to be involved in a church somewhere in a sort of a community of believers, you know, as people who uh, follow God or do our best to. Um, sometimes we don't do our best. Who am I kidding? But we believe in God and we want to go to church somewhere and we need it somewhere to be a part of that community. And so she said, come over to North Little Rock and check it out. And so we're like, sure, we'll check it out. So that was 2010. And so for 2010 to 2011 to now 2012, we've been going to this church for like two years. And it's called Fellowship North. It was in, is in North Little Rock, Arkansas. And it was just cool. Like we, we got to know people over there and it was just, it felt really comfortable. I'll never forget walking in the door uh, the first time. And it, it, it was in this... Um, well, it used to be a Pentecostal church, and anyway, it, it was a building that wasn't perfect. That's that's the thing that I noticed about it was there were some problems with it. Like it wasn't perfect, you know. There it needed a little bit of work, and it, that felt really good to me, like personally, like deep in my soul. It just felt good to be in a space that I felt like reflected me being incomplete and flawed and screwed up, but also like, you know, trying really hard to be a person or whatever, be a church. And it was just cool. And I remember walking in and this sweet lady named Diane, um, you know, just welcomed us in. And I just felt so welcome in this place, you know, because it was welcoming and because these people were looking us in the eyes and talking to us and being kind and being sweet and being welcoming. And, you know, it, it just felt really cool. And we had our son, Wynn, our baby son, Wynn, and, and of course, Emma. And I remember walking in and they helped us get back to the childcare area and, you know, turned our kids over to the childcare people. And I just felt really good about it. And Micaiah did too. And it was just really, really nice, like deep down to be in a place that felt like home. And it was a church that was very well established and had been around for you know, 25 years or something at the time. And, you know, it wasn't going anywhere. So after this string of churches that had kind of changed or went under for whatever reason, these new little startup churches, it was just so good to be in a place that uh, felt like it was going to be around for a while and had like a whole history beyond us, you know. And so just going there and kind of dropping our kids off and just getting to know people and sitting with our friends and kind of meeting a couple of other friends and you know, there's a lot of other people like us. And uh, just to go even farther back for a second, um, just on the point about feeling welcome, that was a really, really, really big deal to me because back in the church that I grew up in, uh, which was amazing for me in high school, after high school, when I would come home for college or whatever, 
I would, uh, you know, maybe be in Little Rock for the summer or whatever. And, and even in the early days of our marriage, um, we weren't going to church there, but I would go there on uh, Wednesday mornings sometimes for their like men's Bible study thing. And I remember walking into this church, you know, as a, as a young guy, like I'm 25 years old or whatever. And this church is, this is the one that I grew up in. It's, to be honest, it's a lot of rich white people, you know, go to this church. And I'm white, but I'm not wealthy. And walking in there at 6 a.m. on a Wednesday morning, you know, with all these, you know, guys in scrubs that are like obviously doctors and you, everybody's either in scrubs or a business suit basically. Um, and, uh, I just didn't fit in. I just didn't feel like I fit in. And I remember walking in on these mornings and and on these Wednesday mornings, they would always have a guy standing at the door, um, you know, greeting you. And he would always have a box of donuts in his hand. And so he's going to hold the door for you and offer you a donut. Right. And he, he, you know, that's the way it was. And so there'd be this kind of group of men kind of coming in, you know, two and three at a time or whatever. And I remember, walking in. This was probably only one summer where this happened, but it really, really stuck with me and it made me not want to go back anymore. But I remember walking into that church and the guy that would be there greeting was essentially just like all the other guys at the church, a good looking, clean cut, probably wealthy white guy in a business suit. And he's holding the door for everybody. And I remember he would say hi and good morning to everybody that came in and offer him a donut. And for some reason, when I would walk in in my jeans and T-shirt and my Chacos, you know, this is back when I was working at Ozark Outdoor, uh, they never said hi to me. They would just ignore me. They wouldn't say hi. They wouldn't look at me. They wouldn't offer me a donut, you know. And I would go through the door that they were holding and take a donut, but I never got, like, a greeting. I never got looked in the eye. And it just, like, really kind of hurt and crushed me in a lot of ways, because I was like, man, I grew up in this church. Like, this is my place. I, I would I would love a welcome, like a good morning. How's it going, man? You know, ask my name, you know, maybe, I don't know, treat me like a person in a lot of ways. And, you know, it, it just hurt my feelings. It just kind of, I, I just felt like I didn't belong in my own home. You know what I mean? And looking back, that was probably more an issue of the guy that was opening the door uh, maybe an insecurity or something where he didn't know how to relate to somebody that didn't look like him. And who knows what the deal was, but that's how I received it. And so now flash forward back to 2010 and I'm walking into Fellowship North and now I've got like tattoos and stuff and I look even more ragged than I did when I was a younger man. And But still like they always greeted me with a smile and, you know, try to just connect with me, make a little joke and laugh, whatever it was. But I just felt welcome there, you know. And then I remember I would go up and get a cup of coffee at the little coffee bar. And there's this is a very diverse church and different types of people. And, and, uh, and, and they would always talk to me like, hey, how's it going, man? You know, good morning. What's up? And, and you know, you get to know people. It's just the friendliness just made me feel so welcome and so home. And it just it was just such an amazing, like... Uh, contrast from the church situations that we had like just most recently been in. And then especially from that experience that I had, you know, on those Wednesday mornings, you know, years prior. And so it just felt really good to be in this new spot, right? So we're going to Fellowship North weekly. Every week we drive across the river into North Little Rock 
and we're excited to go there and it's so fun and so cool. And as I'm starting to get to know people in the church, you know, they're like saying, hey, you know, we should hang out sometime, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And and it was just cool because I got to know, you know, a couple of guys there and made some new friends there. And, you know, in the previous episode at the end, I said, uh, you know, God was starting to make me love all the things that I used to hate. And what I mean by that is, well, primarily at this point in my life, the thing that I never wanted to do before, all of a sudden I wanted to do it, which was get to know people at my church, um, especially from, you know, this traces back again to that not feeling welcome at the other places and and really just wanting to go to churches that like, essentially I had a hand in starting, not a hand, or but at least I was there for the start, whether it was the Journey Church or the River Church or other little deals like I felt like that was my way to um, be connected was just to be connected from the start. And for some reason, I had a chip on my shoulder and I didn't want to get to know people, you know, at a church, especially not pastors, you know, especially coming from the previous experience at uh, the River Church where the guy had gotten busted for, um, you know, being an idiot and, and messing around with uh, underage boys, you know, it's just like it, that type of stuff really ruins people on the church. And I... I was scared of that happening, you know, but nevertheless, um, I get to know these guys at the church and I really liked them, you know, and I wanted to be around them. And, and, uh, and so we start hanging out, we're kind of having a beer here and there at my house or whatever. And I remember one night, you know, uh, I had heard that a guy at the church, um, this dude they call Bucket, um, was going to be playing, uh, music at this bar in North Little Rock on like a Friday night or Saturday night or whatever. And, um, he actually played on the worship team at church, but everybody said, oh, you got to hear Bucket. He's great. He plays just kind of country cover songs at this bar. You got to come out there. And so one night I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll check this out. Right. I felt, I felt like, uh, that was a a fantastic idea. And so I called my buddy Greg and I said, Hey man, there's a friend of mine that I kind of know playing at this bar. Do you want to come hang out with me and listen to some music and have a few beers? And he's like, yeah, sure. So he, now he doesn't go to fellowship North. He's just a buddy of mine. And, um, and I'll, I'll never forget, we drive over to North Little Rock and we go to this bar called Spectators that was like, it's just sort of this hole in the wall dive bar where you can smoke inside and they just have like good music and like pool tables and dartboards and stuff. And I remember walking in the bar and <laughs> I'd never been in there before. I opened the door and the bar is literally full of people from my church. And I walk in the door and this guy Bucket sitting there playing like Jimmy Buffett songs. And right in the middle of his songs, everybody goes, Jacob! And they like, you know, like threw their hands up like they'd like got a new one, you know, like a new buddy to come to spectators with. Men and women, young and old, uh, some are smoking, some aren't. Everybody's having a good time. And this dude's playing music. And I was just like, I'll be damned. Like, this is it, man. I found my place. <laughs> you know, like our church has a bar and it's freaking awesome. Like it was one thing to go to church at a bar. It was so much more cool to like go to the bar and it happens to be your church, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and I just remember walking in there and like high-fiving people and somebody bought me a drink and, you know, it's just kind of loud and rambunctious and like, but there's just so much love and acceptance and joy and gladness and, uh, 
you know, looking back, like I just cherish those moments, you know, absolutely cherish those things. But, but going into spectators, I was just like, all right, I'm in, this is my church. I freaking love these people. I'm never leaving. It's fantastic. Right. So anyway, that was kind of the situation at our new church, Fellowship North in North Little Rock. And we just loved it. And it was so, so great. And we were, we just really felt like we were finally home. And another thing that happened early on when we started going there, again, this is back in 2010 still, uh, but we were sitting down at church on Sunday morning, and uh, Craig, uh, one of the pastors, said from the front, he was just kind of doing like some announcements, um, you know, before the main, you know, message. But he said, hey, uh, you know, we've done some really cool work up at Castle Bluff. Let me tell you about it. And that was the first time I had heard of this place called Castle Bluff pictures pop up on the screen and he was talking about how they had just built a new staircase down to the bat cave and stuff about zip lines and um and and like I just I didn't really know what it was about but I was like what is this thing and then towards the end of his like comments he said oh and if you don't know Castle Bluff is this camp that we have up in Newton County and it's great we have our you know, high school and, and middle school camps up there. We do all kinds of fun, fun events for kids. And, you know, if you want to hear more about it, you know, tell me after church and we'll, we'll talk about it or whatever. So I'm like, oh, awesome. Because as you guys know, Newton County is Buffalo River country and the Buffalo River has always been like deeply, deeply close to my heart. So when I found out our church has this camp up in Newton County called Castle Bluff with something called the Bat Cave and like, zip lines and you know i just had to go check this out right and uh so anyway like that was really the final deal for me for sure was like okay this place is cool they like me and my family they have like a bar that we go to that like the worship leader like plays at all the time and people get a little rowdy and now they got a camp up in castle up in newton county it was like this literally has everything that i've ever wanted in a church and so um, so we were just sold on it, right? Okay, now, flash forward one year into 2011, and Craig, the same pastor, is up on the stage, and he's talking about something else uh, that I hadn't heard about before. And he said, hey, if you don't know about this thing, we do this men's retreat called Men of the Ozarks, and it's a really, really great deal. It's really kind of changing the lives of so many people and we don't talk about it a whole lot, but um, it's a men's retreat up at Castle Bluff. And if you're interested in going, um, come talk to me or any of the, he had put up all these pictures on the screen. He said, anybody that you see in any of these pictures that you know, go talk to them and, uh, and they'll, they'll tell me and, and we'll get you on the list if you want to go, right? So I was like, oh, cool. You know, so, so by this time, like we'd been going to church there for about a year and like, I love it. I'm feeling like home there. And, you know, I still hadn't been up to Castle Bluff yet. And so I, I told a buddy of mine that I saw in the picture, like, hey, what's this Men of the Ozarks thing? And he's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's a men's retreat. Like, I can't tell you a lot about it, but it's awesome. If you want to go, I'll make sure you get on the list. And I was like, yeah, put me on the list, man. And, and uh, by the way, while you're at it, put my friends Ben and Lee on the list too. You know, two of my best friends that we're in my little community group and they had started coming over to uh fellowship north with us as well and our wives are all close friends and 
And so I was like, yeah, put them on the list too, right? And, and they, they wanted to be on it anyway. So now we're on the list for this thing called Men of the Ozarks that I don't know anything about except that it's for guys and it's at Castle Bluff, right? And it's supposed to be life-changing, okay? Now, finally, 2012, okay? We did a lot of uh, catching up here, but now we are in the year of 2012. And the main thing that I have to tell you about about 2012 was men of the Ozarks. Um, and like I said, this is a 2012 was a big year and, and really the previous years that we just talked about, but God was doing this new thing in my heart where he was just, uh, you know, I, I don't like to use these sort of Christianese terms, but there's no really better phrase for it than I just felt like God was just calling me deeper, you know, into the, um, I don't know, into the river of faith or whatever you want to call it, spirituality, um, you know, those deeper parts of life um, that, uh, you know, are in the sort of spiritual areas. I don't know. You don't, it's hard to talk about these things because there's not really very good vocabulary for it. But if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. I'm starting to get involved at my church. I'm starting to get to know some of the people at my church. I'm feeling very well connected. And I wanted to, um, you know, discover a new, um, deeper relationship, you know, with God in my life. And even maybe figure out what the hell I'm supposed to do with myself, you know, on this planet, right? Uh, so, you know, in 2012, you know, I'm in my uh, early 30s, okay? And, you know, it's like you're supposed to be an adult. You got a couple little kids, but you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. Nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody knows what they're doing, like, ever. And that's what it seemed like to me, and I think that's largely true. And certainly in your spiritual life, you know, it's like I've talked about in the past, like everybody wants that burning bush moment. Um, and they're so rare. And, you know, I just always wanted more, 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 more of that. So I'm on the list for Men of the Ozarks. God's calling me to a deeper place. We've been on the list for Men of the Ozarks for like a year. And at this point, I'm starting to meet people that have gone through it. And they say, hey, have you been to Men of the Ozarks yet? They call it Moo. Uh, have you been to Moo yet? You got to go to Moo. And I keep hearing about it. I'm like, I want to go. Like, Everybody's talking about it. It's this whole secret thing. You know, I'm on the list. How do I get on a trip? You know, and at that point, there was a there was a long list of people that wanted to go. I mean, and so the anticipation was just really building, right? And so anyway, in November of... Oh, sorry, let me back up. In October of 2012, I uh, went as a leader for the high school camp to Castle Bluff. It was my first time to go up there. And I remember pulling in, it was just like, oh, this is so awesome. Like, just like the church, it's kind of beat up and run down, um, but it's like so alive, you know, at the same time. And I just remember pulling in and, you know, you got all these kids. I was driving one of the vans and at Fellowship North, they just kind of like, hey, if you want to go, you know, you did have to do a background check. But if that's clear, here's the keys to a van, drive a bunch of kids um, and let's pray that God does something cool here, right? I mean, it was just, I, I loved the kind of loosey-goosey sort of um, style of it all. 
and and it was just so cool. And I remember getting there, and these kids are so happy to be there. And I talked to a couple other guys there that weekend, and they're again talking about Men of the Ozarks, and I'm like, I really want to go. And anyway, so I'd been to Castle Bluff. We're on the list. I'm super excited. I'm trying to go to Men of the Ozarks, right? Well, finally in November, I get a call from Craig, and he says, "Hey, we're doing a Men of the Ozarks retreat uh, next month in December." would you like to go? And I said, absolutely. Uh, but can you get Ben and Lee in on this trip too? And he said, I'm calling them next. Um, and hopefully all three of you guys can go at the same time. They take eight guys at a time. And he's like, I want all three of you guys to go for sure. And I was like, awesome. Count me in, sign me up. December's coming around. And, uh, you know, Ben and Lee are, uh, they're signed up too. They're totally in, they're excited about it. And, the anticipation was just building. Now, leading up to Men of the Ozarks, we still didn't know anything about it. We literally, all we knew was they take eight guys and there's, you know, six or eight guys on what they call the serve team. And that's the total group. And you go up to Castle Bluff and it's like a five-day weekend and it's supposed to be amazing. And uh, that's really all we knew about it. Um that's that's it, you know. And so anyway, uh, about a week before uh, the trip, we get a call from another guy, a, a guy I didn't know named Jeff. And he calls me and he says, hey, um, hey, we're excited for you to come. We've been, you know, praying for you and you've been on our list for a long time. And we're really excited about this. And, and he said, you know, I just want to give you a chance if you have any questions or whatever, you know, and whatever. So it's like asked him a few like simple questions. And he said, yeah, yeah, great. It's going to be fun. You know, just bring a sleeping bag and uh you know, a Bible and like a camp chair and some hiking shoes. Right. And I was like, great. And he goes, and one more thing, he said, um, you know, we want, we're going to spend, you know, our evenings around a campfire and, uh, you know, we want you to feel comfortable and be yourself and do whatever you would normally do around a campfire. So if that means you want to bring like tobacco or alcohol, like that's totally cool, you know, and there'll be a time at the end of the day where we can sort of break that stuff out and, and, uh, you know, just basically cut loose and, and have, have a good time around the campfire. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this keeps getting better. Like, uh, yeah, sweet. That's great. And, uh, and so I called Ben and Lee after that and I said, Hey, did you get the call about alcohol? And they're like, yeah. And it's like, okay, sweet. Like, you know, you kind of don't really expect that on like a church trip or men's retreat. You know, I didn't at that time. And, uh, it's like, okay, cool. And, and so we called another friend of ours, a guy named Tido, who was actually one of the pastors of the church. And I was kind of pumping him for information. And uh, I said, uh, hey, we got this call that, like, we can bring alcohol. Like, w- what does that mean? And he's like, some people bring a six-pack, some people bring more, some people bring whiskey or wine or whatever you're into. And it's like, okay, awesome, you know. So anyway, it's like the day that we're leaving for the trip. We're so excited. I went and picked up Ben and Lee. They live just a mile from me um, in Hillcrest. We're driving over the river. We got our bags packed and, uh, you know, driving up to church. And I remember I made a joke, like we each had like $200 in our pocket. Cause that was like the, the fee for the weekend or whatever. And we got 200 bucks in our pocket and we got stuff for, you know, five days. We got alcohol. And uh, I was like, Hey, you know, like we could just like go to, you know, casino for the weekend. And our wives would like never know the difference. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we laughed about that, but then it was like, now we're going to the thing. It's supposed to be awesome. Let's do it. Right. 
So we uh, we get up to the church and you meet up in the parking lot and we uh, we load up in the vans and you know I like I didn't know anybody else you know on the trip except for like one guy or one or two guys uh, besides Ben and Lee and you know so you're meeting people and stuff and you get in the van and you drive up there and still like nobody knows what's going on and uh, we get up to Castle Bluff and you kind of get your like you know your little room where you're gonna stay and and uh, get settled in then you go over and like have dinner and they kind of do some like intro stuff and pretty quickly once we kind of got into things for the weekend like basically our first like sort of group session for the weekend pretty quickly I was like okay this is no joke like this is this is going to be a legit weekend like and I had done like all different types of men's retreats, you know, over the years and men's groups. And, you know, honestly, I I was coming from a place where I was like, I've seen it all. I'm a pro at this stuff. It's going to be great. Right. Um, but like, I'm going to walk through it, you know, like in other words, like I didn't have real high expectations. I had high hopes, but I didn't have high expectations. I was like at the most, I'll get to know some people and, uh, you know, have a, have a great weekend, but it's not going to be life-changing. Well, I could not have been more wrong. Uh, and, you know, one of the things about Men of the Ozarks is we don't want to share all the secrets of the weekend, okay? It's the kind of thing that uh, you just have to experience. And uh, and there's a, now a Women of the Ozarks, too, um, and so it's, it's not just for the guys anymore. And, uh, it's just one of those things you have to experience. So without telling you everything about it, um, what I can say is that I went into that weekend, um, thinking I knew some stuff, um, thinking that I knew myself and thinking that I pretty much knew God pretty well. And I did. But throughout the course of that weekend, oh my gosh, I, I cried, I wept, I sang, I rejoiced. Um, I prayed deep and powerful prayers for myself and other people. Um, and I experienced what I would call like true, like heavenly um, community and, and connection with people, with other men who, you know, we don't know what the hell we're doing in life. And sometimes it takes somebody to kind of be two or three steps ahead of you to say, hey, man, it's all right. Follow me this way. And this is the best way that I've figured out so far. And if you'll just kind of trust that person, you might, uh, you might progress, you know, down the path that you want to be on. Maybe not. Maybe so, maybe not. But you won't know unless you kind of go for it, right? And uh, just just over the weekend, it just like... I felt like a freaking like superhero, you know, all of a sudden. And, uh, you know, I just felt like I never knew before that I had any kind of purpose or like value, not value, but like deeper, like uh, critical value, you know, in the world or in the church or in the God's family, whatever you want to call it. Um, You know, going into that weekend, I just felt like, you know, the goal of a Christian believer is to just kind of be a good Christian believer and maybe tell people about Jesus. But coming out of that weekend, I learned that, like, I have a superpower. Um, I have something special about me personally uh, that if 
I didn't do it or live it out or be my full self to my best of my ability, that there would be something like massively lacking from the world. And like that's maybe sounds like a cocky statement, but I really do believe that's true about every single person. You have a value. You have a purpose. You have a ability or a style or a thing that um, if you don't do it, something's going to be missing and you'll probably feel like something's missing from your own self uh, until you figure out what that thing is. You know, I mean, if you're willing to look inside and be introspective for a second, people often don't want to do that because they know that what they're going to find there is that there's something missing. And I'm not saying that's true about everybody. Maybe that's not true about you. But it seemed like that was definitely true about me. And from the people that I know, it seems like that's true about a lot of the people that I know. You know, you, you just, I don't know. You, you don't know what you're doing in life. You got one and only one life on this planet. And what are you going to do with it, right? Are you going to, I don't know. I don't, you're not going to waste it. Probably you can waste it, I guess. But, uh, you know, if you're like me, you just want to do the best that you can and maybe uh, be great at something. And I, at, at Men of the Ozarks, I found out that I was great at something. Okay, and the thing that I found out that I'm great at, it's, it's hard to articulate, but I know what it is. And, and my best way of articulating that is, is by telling you that I am a witness to the truth and the reality of God as a real thing that exists. And I'm also a witness to the troubles and struggles of my brothers and the people around me. And when I see people going through a tough situation, oh, I feel it deep down in the craters of my bones. And, uh, and I experience it like all the way. Um, and and uh, it's just something that God gave me, man. And I'm so happy to have it. And like I said, I, I'm also just a witness to, to who God is, that, that at the end of the day, I know that, um, that there is a, a greater um, all-knowing spirit behind the universe. And that thing, uh, I call it God, and I call it Jesus. And those are just um, like made-up English words that mean things. But whatever it is, the, the meaning behind those words is as real as the concrete and the stones and the wood that you see every day in your life. Even more real than those things, actually. And, you know, as, as uh, you know, I'm fascinated by quantum physics a lot of times. And the thing that we keep learning about quantum physics is no matter how tight you zoom in, there's always spaces in between the molecules. There's always gaps. And actually what matter is made of and the world is made of, the universe is made of, is actually more gaps than the thing itself. And I believe that God is the thing in between the gaps that fills in the space. And you know what? If I didn't go through Men of the Ozarks, I don't think I would have ever known that as well as I do. Or at least I wouldn't be able to articulate it the way that I can now. Okay. Now, does that have to be the case for everybody? No, it's okay. It's okay. You do you, I'm going to do me. And it just, you know, it was amazing to come to those understandings about myself. You know, there's this quote that says, there's no true knowledge of God without a true knowledge of self. And there's no true knowledge of self without a true knowledge of God. I don't remember who said that, but um, I think that's true. I feel like that's true, you know. 
And so at the end of the Men of the Ozarks weekend, um, I just really felt like after looking back at sort of where I had come from in the previous couple of years, from looking around at churches and trying to figure out where I fit in and going through Men of the Ozarks and, and learning about my church and kind of getting to know people, I just felt like it was home, you know, in that like most true possible way. Like in, in a, the home in the sense that like you're like a nomadic tribe in Mongolia and you've like set up your yurt for a little while. We're never going to be anywhere for any real amount of time, but you get your little spot for a little while and it just feels good when you get it, you know, and there's always, whenever you're camping or hiking, there's always sort of one last little touch you put on your little uh, location and you're like, all right, now we're home, you know? And, uh, and that's what I felt like, man. That's what it felt like at the time. And, and it was just, it was just a game changer. It was just absolutely a game changer. And going forward, everything was different for me. Everything was different for me going forward. 2012 ended up being like a gigantic monument in my life. Primarily men of the Ozarks was this monument in my life. And I, if you look at my life as a timeline, it's everything leading up to that and everything after that. That's the way I look at it right now. And so that's what we're going to talk about next time. All the stuff after that. The year 2013. In 2013, some other amazing things happened. Number one, the biggest and greatest of them all, was the birth of my third child, Rosie. Oh, gosh, I love Rosie, man. I can't wait to tell you all about her. The other things I did that year was I went to snow camp with my church in Taos, New Mexico, did some snowboarding. It was amazing. I shot an oil spill for the New York Times and almost got arrested for being a journalist, which was freaking awesome. And I landed and shot uh, definitely the biggest like single paycheck of my photography career. I talked to you about the uh, event world last uh, time, I think it was last time. That's a big paycheck because it spanned several years and a decade even. This one was a massive, big old fat one-time thing. And I'll tell you all about that next time. So please stick around and check that out. And I will talk to you about it all then. Thanks for listening. Peace out.